0: Welcome into the Locked on Knicks podcast, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, and one day after we try to trade him away on his birthday, Alex, of course, Julius Randle goes off and the New York Knicks get a big win.
1: Yeah, Julius came on fast and never relented in this game, just making the Pistons look like a, as you said in our pre-show, like a college team out there in this game, absolutely destroying them. So we'll talk about him. We'll talk about RJ Barrett with a sneakily good game with uh, due to the way that he approached it Quentin Grimes continuing to look good pretty much everybody looking good if we're being completely honest when your team scores 140 in regulation things went pretty well right so lots of good things to talk about next on Locked on Knicks
0: you are Locked
1: on Knicks your daily New York Knicks podcast part of the Locked on podcast network your team every day and I think we see Willis coming out There he comes right now. left, now fires he's good, and he's, good. he's, good. he's, good. he's, good. And he's Anthony for three, five. five, that one goes down, all back up, off the glass, it's good, it becomes infectious.
0: Locked on Knicks and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we're now available on all platforms. And that includes, and you're gonna see you're gonna see some improved lighting on YouTube if you go to watch on YouTube. Yeah, that's right. You can see every pore in our faces. And if that doesn't appeal to you, why are you doing this? But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at thestrick.land. But for now, Alex, we got to talk about the dom.nince. I, I didn't think that through. I shouldn't have said that. But you know what? We're already recording. A 140-110 victory for the New York Knicks over the Detroit Pistons. And it was defined by Julius Randle, absolutely cooking, especially early in this one, 17 points in the first 10 minutes, was bombing threes, was dunking on people's heads, just about as good of a Julius Randle performance as you could ever hope for.
1: Yeah, certainly from a scoring perspective. And I mean, based off how things have gone with Julius at times, this year, last year, whatever, I almost was just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, like, he started off so hot and I was like, okay, well, he's going to cool off at some point. And then that point just never came. It felt very, felt very, very like 20 to 21 Julius Randle against the Hawks kind of energy, like just unstoppable. Well, I, you, I should you say should clarify
0: regular season, regular season against, against yeah. the
1: Hawks. Yeah. He destroyed them in the regular season. <laughs> not so much of the playoffs. Yeah. I thought about that the second I said that, um, Or against the Mavericks that year, I think he was great, too. Like, one of those two opponents during the regular season in 2021. Um, That's kind of how it felt with Julius in this game. I mean, it just looked effortless for him. He even said in the post-game comments with uh, Clyde and Breen, like, they were like, oh, do do you kind of just, like, wake up feeling like you're feeling it any given day? And he was like, yeah, I kind of felt it today. It's like, yeah, it was pretty obvious. Um, I kind of expected, like I said, that eventually he would just cool off, and he didn't. And it was, I mean, I don't even know how much there is to break down about how his game went or anything. There wasn't anything that he really flashed that was, like, too spectacular. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It was just, like, it reminded me in many ways of those games when, like, Mello would just absolutely cook and not be able to miss on jumpers. Like, I think Julius's first, like, seven shots or something were threes or maybe even more than that, like, he just knew, like, okay, I've got the three-point shot going tonight. This is just what I'm going to go to all night. And in the end, 13 out of his 24 attempts are from three, and six of his 14 makes uh, are from three. So, you know, I most of that was, was in the early going. He did find other ways, like shooting in the mid range and stuff like that to score later on. But, uh, yeah, just a, a phenomenal game for him. And just one of those games where you just go, you know what, this guy uh, – I don't think it would have mattered if it was the Pistons or uh, tomorrow night's matchup against the Bucs. Like, he was going to cook whoever was in front of him in this particular game, I think. And it just so happened to be the Pistons, the worst team in the NBA. So uh, good for him. It was It was a really, really good game and very fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it, it certainly helped, though, that the the Pistons inexplicably decided to never really respect the shot in this game and just continued to play off of him. And then, and then the one time they closed out on him late in the second quarter, um, RJ threw him, a, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit in the next segment, RJ threw him a really nice over the head hook pass and Julius just pumped. One step to the left, drained it. Um, but to me, what was really impressive about this performance from Julius was that he was able to adjust in the second half. I mean, probably uh, not, not that he missed a ton of threes or anything, but kind of had an innate understanding of, all right, that probably wasn't sustainable. So in a rare bit of self-awareness from him, um, he started doing other things and he just got super, super aggressive. He drew um, a technical foul on Isaiah Stewart with, with a vicious transition dunk. Uh, when he just uh, ran the floor super hard and uh, Brunson hit him with a super nice pass. And and then just, I mean, no one on the Pistons was really a clean matchup for him, but sometimes when he had Bogdanovich on him, I mean, first play of the second half, he literally just went right through bogey, which was great. Um, and then later in the third quarter had a really impressive play where he, he kind of pumped, pumped, and it was, it was one of those ones where you're like, all right, Julius, come on, man, please just just pass the ball, like do something good. And it looked like he was going to lean in and force up the shot. But once he drew the eyes of three defenders, he he swung it over to Grimes. And that was the play where Grimes got the hard closeout, drove by it, slipped past to Mitch for a dunk that, that Grimes seems to do just about every single game now. Uh, but to me, that was the play more than anything that reminded me of 2021 Julius Randle, because it was it was him weaponizing, I, I guess, to for lack of a better term, his slow processing speed for good and and drawing in the whole defense just because he was moving like a turtle um, and, and was also so hot. And and he leveraged that gravity to kick it to ground. And, and then the final I, I'm pretty sure what was his final big play of this game. He just ripped it out of Sadiq Bay's hand. Uh, ran the floor hard with the ball and then unselfishly got it to Quentin Grimes for a layup. So uh, there were, there were a couple of, of really bad shots in the first half. There is uh there was one play where he tried to draw a foul and just threw it away to no one. And then uh was still at half court while the Pistons had taken three different shots that almost gave me an aneurysm, but you know what? It's his birthday. It was by and large, a fantastic night for him. So all in all, nothing but good things from Julius Ratt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, and I think that we've seen in these last two games, two very, uh, different but similar versions of randall where he is weaponizing some of the best things that he can do on a basketball court like in the previous game almost getting the triple double not really looking to score so much and more looking to set up his teammates in this game understanding like hey i'm really hot but then to your point in the second half switching at a certain point to say okay you know what like i'm not as hot now so you know, like like first quarter, it looked like he was going to be a little heat checky throughout the rest of the game, but he didn't, he really didn't do that. He really turned it around and started finding his teammates and, you know, really getting things going. So yeah, I love how he's played these last two games. Uh, As usual, the caveat is like, can we see more of it? Um, You know, will this keep going? Will he? Yeah. You know, it's kind of the lesson that we've come to learn at this point. It's like, Tomorrow night he might come out against the Bucks and look like a zombie, you know. And, and there's no way to really know. But granted, I'd love to be proven wrong because I, I would love if Julius just kind of all in all could turn it around. But we need to see a little little more consistency out of him at this point uh, to see if he can do that. Because I don't know what, what what how many games in a row would he have to put together like this, Gavin, for you to be like, I maybe the worm's turning a bit. Like maybe he's maybe he's starting to turn things around.
0: Oh, man. Uh, I'm I'm notoriously a pessimist. That, I mean, at, at, at this point, um, I don't know, uh, half a season, 40. I I, mm. I mean, not not. And, and to be clear, I don't mean 40 games of him hitting six threes. I just mean 40 games of him uh, playing unselfish, taking smart shots, taking advantage of mismatches and and trying and, and being focused on defense for a full game. Something like that, um, because we have, again, three three seasons of, of Jekyll and Hyde. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a scorned lover. Uh, I'm Alex. I, I, it, it's hard for me to to kind of fully come around on him at this point.
1: Yeah. I feel pretty similar. I mean, I think, I think if he could throw together like a solid 20 games in a row like this or something, maybe that would be the point where I'd be like, cool. But unfortunately we're at this point where now we're just over the 20 game mark of this season. And all we could say is like, well, it's been a really, really mixed bag. It's probably been the most mixed bag of any of Julius's years so far because it's been like anywhere from his lowest lows of the first and third seasons that he's with the Knicks and the highest highs of the first of the second season he was with the Knicks, the 2021 season. Like, it and it almost happens not even just on a game to game basis, but like at halftime of a given game or you know after the first quarter of a given game like things can just totally change for him on a dime so i don't know how to predict it i wish we could see a a more consistent julius though because in that case you know we wouldn't we wouldn't even be really entertaining and people wouldn't be asking us like for mailbags like oh where do you want to trade julius to because like people would be like oh let's just keep him we'd be in the same mindset that we were in after the 2021 season but you know, again, it's it's gonna take a little more consistency uh to have that happen. Speaking of consistency, though, I mean, uh, there's another guy on the team in RJ Barrett, who needs to show some more consistency too, but I think took a decent uh decent step in the right direction after you know today's game. But Gavin uh if people wanted to bet on Julie, eh, okay, they don't actually make lines. So they say if they want to bet on Julius Randle turning around. But you know what? If you want to bet on individual Julius Randle point totals in any given game uh, or just if the Knicks will win or lose tomorrow's game against the Bucks, if Julius can keep the the hot streak going, where should people go to do that? There's
0: only one place in the whole wide world, Alex. It's betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And Alex, they have odds on if a player will score over 64 and a half points in a game this season. Who knows, it might be Julius Randle. He was right around on track for that after, oh, he was actually over on track for that. 10 minutes into the game, he was on track for about uh, 68. So you know what, if Julius Randle can do it, I think it could happen in the NBA this season. So head to Bet Online, throw some money on that and, and just head to the website in general or, or your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online. it's where the game starts. We want to thank you all one final time for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Alex, we are back on Locked On Knicks. RJ Barrett, um, I thought this was a step in the right direction he didn't really force the issue in this one, which I loved. Um, he did airball the one layup, but outside of that, there weren't any of those egregiously bad attempts that have defined his early season. All in all, I thought he he played a really heady game, and I, I just hope this is a sign of things to come for him.
1: Yeah, I you know, I was telling you before we started recording, I think the most encouraging thing to me about this game for RJ was that it was midway. Through the second quarter or like just over, like maybe even like four minutes left. I don't know exactly what the the minute marker was, but it was pretty deep into the second quarter. And he scored a basket and then Mike Breen was like, oh, and RJ Barrett scores his first basket. And I was like, oh wow. I one didn't even know that was the case. And two, it didn't it, like it didn't make itself apparent to me because it wasn't obvious that he hadn't scored yet because he was doing other things to really help the team out. Like I thought that he made some really great passes in this game. Uh, there was, he opened the game by finding Mitch for a nice dunk and then had a fantastic kick out, uh, which I think you alluded to in the last segment um, to, it was to Julius, correct? Yeah. Was, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was so yeah. So he basically had Julius fake the pass, then debate mm-hmm. the defense further and one dribble, a hook pass over his head.
1: To yeah. Julius. That, that pass, like, I was like eating dinner, watching the game, and like when that pass happened, I was like, "Oh!" Like with a mouthful of uh, yeah. drunken man noodles from my my favorite Thai place. I was like, you, "Oh, you that's were nice. you were
0: eating, and Julius was eating at the same time."
1: I, they were both eating, and and uh, it was RJ was the fork in this analogy, I guess. He was feeding, <laughs> yeah, feeding Julius. If I, you <laughs> yeah, know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I mean, he he was great. Yeah, Yeah. and honestly, even his assist totals, like, only came in with three for this game, which obviously we've seen him do better. You know, has 16 points, shot four of 11, did shoot two of five from three, which is encouraging. Six of eight from the free throw line, also encouraging. But I, I think the most encouraging thing was just he continued to not force the issue in any way. And that's all you can really ask from RJ at this particular moment as he is sort of, it seems like, trying to, like, recalibrate himself on the basketball court. Uh, so I really liked the game from him. Even if, if you were just box score watching this one, you would be like, this game was so ridiculously mid from him. Like, just, he shot four of 11. Like, why is that good? Like, oh, only three assists? Why is that good? It's like, it, it, for me, it was less about the counting stats in this one and more about, like, Watching him on the court was aesthetically pleasing, which is more than we can say about him a lot of times recently. So that, that I think is a good step, continued step in the right direction because he had a very good game last game as well, where he actually did shoot super well.
0: Yeah, and he had he had one other. I think his first or his second assist of of those three was a really nice look-off to Jalen Brunson in transition, and uh, obviously the Randall one was, I think, a slightly flashier pass, but the one to Brunson stood out to me just because he hasn't been making that pass the whole season. He, he's been he's been sprinting into triple teams in lieu of making that pass, and my, my first thought when I saw him throw that is like, alright, Tibbs has just sat down with this dude for two hours and made him watch on a loop, like Clockwork Orange style, every, every single time he's missed an open shooter in the corner in transition, and RJ kind of came out of there it was like, alright, not going to happen anymore, so he, he really made a Point to throw that pass. Um, someone who has no issue uh passing the basketball or shooting the basketball. Quinton Grimes, who I I thought this was a revelatory performance for him in that his shot was was really on uh for the first time uh fully since coming back from injury. Uh the defense is is what flashed first, though, had two steals in the first six minutes, uh, ripping the ball away from uh Isaiah Stewart and and then poking it away from Bogey. Um, and then showed off really nice chemistry with Julius Randle. Had had two different threes off, off little dribble handoffs uh, with Julius. The second one was on a 25 footer and he, he just like the, the catch to the shot was insanely smooth. He basically used the low catch as kind of an exaggerated gather and, and just rose all the way up and, and got to kind of his signature height, which, which makes his shot nearly unblockable. And, and then just flashed really good stuff in transition um, with two different layups. And, and, and to me, I I feel weird taking a shot at Emmanuel quickly when he's been playing so well lately and had another fantastic game, but I am just so much more confident when Quentin Grimes goes up for a layup versus Emmanuel quickly, just because of his size, his strength. And he has a great knack for knowing when to use his inside hand on a finish. And when a shot blocker is coming and and he gets high enough that his hand is basically, it's essentially a dunk because his hand is on the backboard as he's putting it in. But man, what a complete game. What an exceptionally smart player. It feels weird and a little preemptive to say this, Alex, but I, I guess outside of Jalen Brunson and and maybe this, I, I got to whisper this, maybe even including Jalen Brunson. I, I remember last summer we did our uh, Knicks young player uh, power rankings and who would be the least tradable. I, I think Grimes is honestly like pretty quickly becoming a clear cut number one for me. Like he, he just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses.
1: Yeah. I guess it still just comes back to like, what do you view the ceiling of Grimes to be? But even, even if you're relatively conservative on what he could become, he still probably is going to be like a $20 million a year player in the Mm. NBA. Like he's certainly better than, or, or more. I mean, he's certainly better than like Evan Fournier or like Tim Hardaway Jr. or something like that, who both make like upwards of $20 million. So, you know, will he ever get the opportunities or be counted on to score like 15 to 20 points per game? I don't know for sure, but Could he get there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, these games show why that could be super easy for him, which is if he just shoots at, I don't know, a 40% clip, like he could reasonably make three threes a game easily. And then the other stuff is coming along so well, like the ones that you mentioned, the transition layups, like one was off an offensive board and, you know, he just went up really smooth off of that and finished that. The other one, Mitchell Robinson threw like an awesome outlet pass, dived uh, him off up. a rebound, yeah, to to Grimes streaking down the court, and uh, you know, Grimes went up and and got a layup off of that. Uh, I, he's he is he's he's really starting to show a complete skill set. In this one, he had that like Allen Houston, you know, three point shot going perfectly where it was just like everyone looked exactly the same and there was one that I think he airballed it, he missed the the only miss that he had was pretty bad but the rest like the second they left his fingertips you were like yep splash that's in you know that looks great uh, and and it was just like the quintessential Quentin Grimes experience I feel like um, I actually will say too we forgot to shout this out during the, the Julius part but Julius became the 10th highest uh, uh, by, like, total number uh, three-point shooter in Knicks history in this game, uh, which nestled him right under – I'm trying to remember. Nate I Robinson,
0: I think, was he, the head of him.
1: I think it was Nate Robinson. Tim Hardaway is next, the head of him. Yeah, Tim Hardaway and a couple other guys in that general range that he could potentially pass soon. But I was thinking to myself when that graphic came up, like, yeah, Quentin Grimes probably won't be too far off uh, yeah. at some point in the next like few years. You know, he'll he'll will be right around that top ten because that three point shot is is very pure and it's just going to keep going in. So, um, but yeah, Gavin, I think we could probably take our our final break here uh, real quick and and just uh, take a sec and then come back and talk about Emmanuel quickly. And Obi Toppin and whoever else comes to mind, uh because there's plenty to like about the the rest of the players in this game as well. So we'll do that next on Locked On Knicks. All right, and we're back, finishing up talking about this blowout win, uh 140 to 110. I, I don't know if we've quite underscored just yet how how much of a dominant performance this was, uh but the score. In this case tells the entire story. It was it was just a laugher, uh starting from the second half onward. Like the Pistons kept it sort of interesting through the first half, and then like third quarter is just like, nope, yeah, this this is the worst team in the league without Cade Cunningham, without Jaden Ivey. Uh, this is definitely them. So yeah, that's uh let's let's just get this over with at this point. Um Gavin, I'll I'll throw it to you. I mean, there's a few other good performances. I I think I know. Where you're going to go here, but I will just kind of toss it to you and say, uh, who do you want to talk about next?
0: Yeah, I, I will say quickly, uh, similar to uh, what we were saying about RJ, where like you can't take uh, it for granted when he throws a pretty basic pass, you can't take it for granted when the Knicks beat the worst team in the league without their two best players by 30 points. Uh, that's that that has been a rarity, uh, the last few seasons. Where I mean, you you remember that wasn't it on New Year's Eve, the, the Oklahoma City game where OKC was, I think, missing Shea? And the Knicks either lost or like it took a heroic performance from RJ for them to win. Like this is a team that very much plays down to their competition at points, usually in the form of close wins this season, at least. But uh, yeah, uh, thirty point win they fully took care of business. So holistically, uh, let's 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 shout at everyone on that front. Uh, But yeah, I am going to talk about Emmanuel quickly, who statistically had another monster game: uh, fifteen points, four assists, seven to twelve shooting um, in just twenty two minutes and look he did a decent amount of this work in garbage time so I I don't know how much you want to take away from that and I thought it was funny that it was in garbage time because it sort of looked like the quickly we got the last five games of last season all of which you could argue were kind of an extended garbage time uh for the New York Knicks and and unfortunately between him and Obi um there there are some elements of that that are translated to this season but by and large it hasn't to the extent that we hoped it has but that doesn't mean quickly had didn't have some flat out awesome moments in this one um just Two really good passes to start the game. The first one, pump fake, waited for two defenders to come, then just slipped it over to Quentin Grimes for an open three, and and then had a drive with the shot clock dwindling where he was staring at the corner and he baited, I think it was Bogdanovich, to to come off Cam Reddish and and go over to Obi in the corner, and then he just threw a no-look to Reddish from behind the backboard. That was one of the better passes he's thrown this season. Um, My favorite basket that he had came in the second quarter when he did basically the the ob top and qb keeper where he kind of took a hesitation dribble and froze like he was going to hand it off to someone but there was no one there and then he just he, he got a wide open layup and i just thought that was cool it felt like he was he was kind of like it was like a tribute to his best friend like it was, it was kind of a musician like playing another musician's song uh it was it was really it was it was a beautiful play um yeah and, and then just was like pretty unstoppable um getting to the rim at the end had a nice crossover and one had had a little pull up midi that you always like to see from him and you always hope that becomes a part of his game so i don't know about you alex i I just thought it was a really complete performance from him.
1: yeah i thought it was a well-rounded game from quick you know i mean and it it felt like i know that it's sort of okay maybe we could start using this phrase unironically it was like vintage quickly you know Mm. like it's it feels weird to say that about anyone that's considered like the quote unquote young core, you know, that's like still on their rookie deal and all that, but it was, you know, remember all these times, like in his rookie year and, and sophomore year, I think those are probably the two biggest ones I could think of where he was like a point per minute guy, you know, like he was, he was scoring at one point every minute. Uh, and he was basically almost back to doing that, like 15 points in 22 minutes this is what you want to see out of him. You want him to be like the spark plug and you want him to be playing confident and loose and, and look like he's enjoying himself out there. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the bigger things that like underscored it for me was that he was out there like in garbage time even, and was like still having fun. Like the game was well in hand. I think it was like early fourth quarter and he goes out there and, uh, you know, drains the three and just like had the biggest freaking smile on his face coming back down the other way. Cause it seems like he's kind of much like we're talking about. We're hoping that RJ does. It seems like quickly who also dealt with some shooting struggles of his own is finally like unlocked his unlocked his brain in some ways. And is like feeling good now and, you know, ready to ready to tackle some stuff and, and, you know, put up good numbers again and shoot well. Uh, But I I really enjoyed watching him play in this game. And mostly because it looked like he was really enjoying himself. Uh I will direct my attention next to you know to Mitchell Robinson, I think. Uh I thought this was another really good game for him, even if uncharacteristically he only shot 50% from the floor uh in this game. But like six points, thirteen boards, two steals and a block. Uh I thought that his activity level on the defensive end was really good again. Uh, I just think that he's really finding himself uh with I assume still wearing that knee brace, his knee still looks like it has like the whole thing on it. Um, But finding, you know, his mobility again, after coming back from that injury, occupying the right spaces. I mean, both of his steals were kind of just like placement steals where he was just like, it almost looked like it was like right place, right time, kind of lucky, but really it was just the, like he positioned himself so well on these coverages while guys were trying to get inside that they were like, Oh, let me feed it into so-and-so, you know, whether it's like Isaiah Stewart or whatever. And then Mitch was like, Oh no, I'm right here. Like, <laughs> let me just take that and just, you know, start this awesome fast break, which I alluded to uh, with the Grimes uh, section, where he just threw this like great outlet pass to Grimes who managed to finish for a layup. So uh, I found this to be a very encouraging game for Mitch. And I hope that, Last game and this game are a big indication of what he's going to be bringing going forward. Because I, I, it was a really, really great performance for him. I think.
0: Yeah, um, he he just looked athletic rebounding the basketball. Like you could, you could almost feel the ball deflating a little bit every time he he palmed it. Uh, he was really good on the glass. And then he made quick passes off of it. In the first half, he got a a big offensive rebound in traffic where he tipped it to himself and then just threw it to RJ and RJ immediately uh, drew a foul. Um, and, And then there was another play that really stood out to me because we always talk about him being kind of a crappy screener. And he showed off great craft. And honestly, this, this seems like something he must have worked on over the offseason, but they didn't typically see him do it. So him and him and Brunson set up, I, I believe it was left side of the court, uh, either late third, or early fourth, uh, to run a pick and roll. And what Mitch did was so smart. As Brunson's guy was kind of trying to get over the screen, he turned his body. So he was almost like boxing him out with his butt. And it sort of sealed Brunson's guy on him and and that ensured that the switch would stay instead of um the guard in the big being able to flip back right away. And then he started rolling to the basket. And because he had a tiny guard on him, uh Julius's man had to come over and help from the corner. And then Brunson just slung it over to Julius for a wide open three. And and Julius missed it. Mitch ended up getting the offensive rebound. But it was it was just a play that he wouldn't make in the past. And it's just an example of him like creating an open shot for a teammate, even when he doesn't touch the ball. And just kind of using his gravity to positive effect. Um, I'll quickly run through the last couple of guys. Derek Rose, I thought, just had uh two sick plays in this game. Um, had a like a little curl around Isaiah Hartenstein for a dribble handoff, and then a really nice kind of double pump pass for a little layup value to Hartenstein. That that to me was just vintage Derrick Rose. And then what was even more vintage Derrick Rose was, was had this just nasty hesitation move. I think it was on Isaiah Stewart completely toasted him, made a layup. And it's it just always nice to see that, that D Rose on the right night against the right opponent can still make people uh, look stupid. And then I just want to shout out Isaiah Hardenstein himself, who I, I thought the Knicks were or, or Tip specifically was using him from the high post a little bit more, which we've been asking for for a while. So that was nice. He was able to throw a couple good passes in this game. Uh, made a few nice shots, had like a little like one two-step banker off of a off of a cut from uh, Jalen Brunson pick and and then just was hustling all over the court like had a bunch of tap outs had a couple nice saves so I I thought a pretty good game for him as well
1: yeah I'll uh I'll kind of wrap things up with uh giving quick shout outs to the the dunk brothers themselves Obi Toppin and Jericho Sims who uh, I think gave me some of my favorite highlights right towards the end of the game. First. They're, well, okay, I can't say first because I don't remember what order they happened in. But uh, Sims came in mostly just for garbage time, like last like six, seven minutes, and just was like the lob king, just out there just <laughs> destroying the rim, uh, for like three. I think all three of his makes were alley oops. I remember at least two of them were like the the high arcing, double handed like monstar dunks that he's kind of made his staple. Uh, and then Obi Toppin as well made a couple threes, which is great. Probably more useful in the long run, but the dunks went out for me. I mean, he just he threw down one. Of, he has his own like signature thing he's been doing lately, where he basically jumps like straight up in the air, but like you would think, way too far away from the hoop, and with no forward momentum almost, and just kind of like reaches out and like he's so high up that he just kind of plops the ball into the the rim. Uh, because he's just that high up and has that long of arms, and so that was pretty cool. He did one of those dunks, uh, where it it almost looks like he's like weirdly floating up until he just like viciously throws the ball through the hoop. So uh, I enjoyed that very much. Those are two, two like moments that just made me smile in this one, uh, towards the end when you know it's like everything is wrapped up anyway. Let's just have fun and watch some dunks. So, uh, all in all, a fun game. So in general for the Knicks, uh, I think right up there was probably one of the most fun ones this season so far. There have been some that have been more entertaining from the perspective of like a big comeback or something, uh, like the the one in Philly where you know, Julius and Obi got to see the floor together and, and they made that comeback and won that game. But as far as just a pure laugher uh, where the Knicks just absolutely crushed, I think this one checked all the boxes. So I, I had a nice time watching this game
0: yeah, it was, it was it was it was a joy ride. Um, I don't know, I don't know if Milwaukee tomorrow is going to be the same, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed, but for now, from the worst team to the best team. <laughs> yeah, let's see, let's see how they handle it. Uh, but for Alex, Wolf, I'm Gavin Shaw. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will have a game recap for you guys tomorrow. Then we'll wrap up the week with uh, one final mailbag. I promise that will be a super fun episode. Shout out to everyone who listened to our last mailbag episode. I know it upset some of you, but we uh, it, it's doing really well. So we, we appreciate it. But until next time, talk to you soon. On on I'm